Hey everyone, this is Matt. This is the second part of episode two, titled What is Copyright? This episode ran much longer than we had originally anticipated, so we broke it up into two parts. In the first part, Sean and I discussed the different people involved in the administering of copyright and how copyright works. In the second part, we'll discuss the different rights copyright confers and how those rights impact churches. This podcast builds on the information we shared in part one, so if you haven't listened to the first part yet, you should probably check it out first. Thanks. All right, so that's um, that kind of covers a lot of the, like, what are these different things that you encounter mm-hmm. in copyright from an administration perspective? But one yeah. of the things that I thought was really interesting as I've been trying to process how to communicate what is copyright is that copyright is really an umbrella term that covers a lot of different rights, like individual rights. Sure. I broke it down from music into three most common basic rights. One is a performance right. The other is what's known as uh, mechanical rights. That's the uh, usage of the actual recordings itself. And then you also have the intellectual property right, which is the song. Words and melody is usually what the song is actually defined as. Yeah. Right. What constitutes your song and makes it enough different from somebody else's song yeah. is open to interpretation. And it's You mean like two thousand fourteen country songs? Yeah. How they all kinda of has have the same thing. <laughs> the right that you have for the song protected under copyright is the ability to make what are known as derivative works. And a derivative work is another version of the song that you've created. So that could mean an arrangement of the song. It could mean an orchestration of the song. It could mean any sort of way in which you make changes to that particular tune. Nobody else can do that but you. Mm-hmm. You also cannot make duplications or make new versions of the song itself. Mm-hmm. So you would think of this as being music charts. So if you were to listen to a piece of music on the radio and go, you know what, I want to do this piece of music, and you start writing it down, that's known as lifting a song. And lifting mm-hmm. is against the law. You cannot lift songs. If you want to do that particular piece of music and you want it on paper, you do need to get permission from the copyright owner to put that song down on paper. So notated form, chord charts, lyric charts, guitar charts, any of the stuff that you encounter, that stuff is protected under copyright. And there is a well-known website on the Internet where users. Come on, bring it. No, we're not going to we're not going to throw anybody under the bus. But mm-hmm. you you know who you are if you go to this particular ultimate website and find user submissions of chord charts. You should not be using it because they're not paying the licensing fees to have this stuff out there. And for all the reasons right. we talked about in episode one about how that's not moral, it's also technically illegal, and it's also not supporting the artists, you know, just don't yeah. do it. Because there is a way to get the material that you're looking for from legal sites and honestly it's not costing that much money so don't be a cheapskate just do it the way you should and know that you are doing a good thing you're telling the artist hey we like your stuff we want to use it and you're supporting them and making it possible for them to continue to make more music that you can use yeah so for clarification matt let's let's take like you know a worship leader you know just kind of getting started and they've been 
going to this quote site or whatever and grabbing these things but they're like but i have a ccl license that allows me to use this stuff in, in my church and writing charts and yeah the yeah. um part of the license that you get from ccli there is this big long portion that tells you what you can and can't do what the license that you have through ccli does and doesn't allow you to do and one of the things that you have to do uh, if you want to be able to use your ccli license is obtain your resources legally. Mm -hmm. So if you are obtaining your resources from a place that is, you know, lifting songs or pirating music, ripping it off of YouTube or any of these things, those things are, are not covered under your CCLI license because you didn't obtain them legally. If, mm. you, if you just say, get the recording from iTunes and you just buy it, then you yeah. can go ahead and use your CCL rehearse license to share that with your team. But if you get it yeah. illegally, you rip it off of YouTube or you have a friend who's got a CD and you make a copy and you want to use yeah. it, that's not protected under your CCLI license. So you've got two problems you've just compounded. One, you broke the law. But two, you've also violated the license agreement you made with CCLI. You need to get yeah. your resources legally if you want to be able to make copies of the charts and if you want to be able to share the recordings on a website uh, like a rehearsal website or whatever, you do need to obtain your material legally. Yeah. So what glimmer of hope, let's say I'm, you know, like that, that person that I just said, I'm new at worship leading. Maybe my church is a hundred people. I don't have a budget. We're barely just making the payments for CCLI to cover our stuff. And Oh shoot, Matt, you just really just broke all of my resources. I can't use these things I've been using now. Like, what am I going to do now if I want to try to have integrity for my church? You can always go to the websites of bands. Many bands will put charts and make them available for their music. And sometimes they'll even make them available for free to just download. So that's a, a good place to start is just check out the band's website. They may have the charts for the music that they that they have on an album. Now, the one thing I have noticed about those charts, if you go there, is most bands will typically post the chart that the recording was based on, not the one that was actually recorded. Yeah, yeah we've so run the, into that a bunch. Yeah, so that can be a little bit confusing as you're following the chart. And you're like, why doesn't this sound right? Well, what happens is, is that you get into the studio, you make some changes, the bass line changes, the chords change, and then they just never update the chart. They just put up the old one on there. So you can find them, but don't be surprised if things aren't quite the way you would want them to be. That can be a little bit confusing. So again, the best thing is go to that source, like the band or... Right, that's going to get you a lot closer yeah. to being able to find it. It's been really cool too. Sometimes we've we've actually, you know, you may think like this band is unapproachable or whatever, but like through social media and stuff, we've at certain times just reached out to them and said, hey, can we use it? And they're like, yeah, of course, absolutely. Like, don't yeah. be afraid to, to go after and ask for that permission. And I think it's really cool too, just when they on the other end, like, oh, wow, that's really cool that somebody actually asked. And and it's it's encouraging, too, to know, again, like, hey, somebody's actually interested in using our version or using our song. So it's always great. Yeah, and we've had a lot of positive feedback with that. We consistently get back, wow, thanks for asking. That was really great. And yeah. I've we've yet to have anybody ask for money. They also like, you right. know, go ahead and use it. We're because typically what's happened is that they're in the process of getting the music registered with CCLI. So then it's not an issue. Sure. And that uh, does take some time sometimes to go through all of the process. And the other thing to know, though, is we also have had people uh, 
who've come back and said, hey, you know what? That's great. Thanks so much. But we'd really like it if you didn't do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And that does happen. And because they are the copyright owner of that of that uh, arrangement or original song, if they don't want you to do something, you do have to honor what it is they don't want you to do. And the one that happens the most frequently is please don't live stream this or please don't put this on uh, YouTube like download. Yeah. Yeah. They do like, please right. just don't do that. Go ahead and use the song in church. Have a great time. We just don't want it to be in some sort of version where people can start swiping it off the internet. Yeah. And there's an, there's an obvious reason why they, you know, right. don't want you to do that. And so that, that can sometimes be the case. One of the things that motivated me to create zero to 60 music in the first place was to make available charts that are specific to different versions uh, of a single yeah. song. So when zero to 60 music services.com goes live, I've chosen a few songs to kind of start things off and I will be continuing to add music charts to the website, but you will almost always find at least more than one version of a chart for every single song. So if you want to say do one person's version of a tune, like how about everlasting? everlasting. I know. I knew I have, say everlasting <laughs> God. We love that song so much, don't we? Yeah, I know. I, I, I swear. I call it the everlasting nightmare because there's so many versions of that song and they're all just a little bit different. And they're enough different in enough ways that if you have a bass player who's learned, say, the Chris Tomlin version and a drummer who learned the Brenton Brown version and uh, a lead singer who wants to do the Lincoln Brewster version and you all get them together, at some point in the chorus, it just collapses. The song falls apart because they all did something just a little bit different from one another. So fun. Through Zero to 60 Music, I just actually got my licenses uh, yesterday for the music that's, that's cool. going to be posted when we first get the website yeah. live. So all that music will will be legally obtained. You will be able to purchase it from Zero to Sixty Music and know that I am forwarding on a portion of those funds to the copyright administrator, who's then forwarding those funds on to the copyright owners and and the artists. Yeah, and it's accurate too. I just <laughs> got to say that for everybody. So many charts out there that are like, "What is this? That just sounds weird." No, I love the fact that you've said no. Like, if this bass player plays this different kind of inversion. It's going to be there. It's yeah. Show up. So you got to let us know those everlasting God on there. Everlasting God will be on there. Yes. That's the intellectual property side of things. Then we have the recording side of things. Uh, recordings are protected under what's known as a mechanical license. Yep. So if you want to use a recording on a video or you want to post it to a website for your band to rehearse to, you need to get a mechanical license to use the recording. And again, I'm going to use CCLI as the example here. They have what they're called the CCL Rehearse License. And they have an enormous amount of music that is registered through them. And here's a weird thing. It seems like the process of getting your recordings registered through CCL Rehearse is actually faster than getting the intellectual property registered through CCL, the regular CCLI license. So you will be able to share the recording before you'll be able to start making copies of the chord charts. I don't know why that is. It's probably just some internal yeah, thing. They have so many submissions on a daily basis for them to review. Yeah, and I would imagine that, you know, it's so easy to put together a chord chart or lyric chart that they there's just the quantity of what they get submitted to it's them is so much, much higher. 
Awesome, man. I wanted to kind of just share too uh, from the artist side, like when you're thinking about mechanical rights and for those that are going to go through the process of copywriting their music through the Library of Congress, and you're going to see this pop up, this mechanical rights, and you're going to be like, okay, like, I mean, that just obviously must be me. But if you have worked with a producer, a lot of time this comes into play. Like when I hired a producer to record on my record, it's too different philosophies and, and some producers really want to hold on to that because they've invested their creativity in the process and your song may have never really reached uh, you know what it became without their input and so they have that right into the mechanical right but not your song so i'll bring my song to a producer and say here's here's my melody here's my chords here's here's what and then they add on extra things like little synth parts or little strings or whatever and they make that song actually into it and so there's this ownership. Yeah, I have some part in that, but also my producer also does. And so when you when you put that in there, you want to make sure you have a, a right understanding with your producer and say, hey, is that is that all mine or is there a part of that that's yours or is that all yours? And and so different producers just have different takes on what they want. So like if a producer, somebody may say, hey, you paid me this much money to, to do this for you. So you've paid me to do a work and I've done it. And so it's yours. And some people may say like, no, like, that's you paid me to do this amount of time and I've done this amount of time, but I still own it. So you just want to get some clarification if you're an artist or even if you're a church and you say, we're going to hire a producer to come in to make sure you have a, a really good understanding on where mechanical rights kind of fit. It's just so that there's no just weirdness later on. All right. And the third right that is protected, uh, we've talked about the intellectual property right, the recording, the mechanical license. And this one is unquestionably the one that gets the confused the most, and that is performance rights. Mm. But the source of all this confusion comes from Title 17 of the U.S. Code. And technically, mm. it is Title 17, Chapter 1, Section 110, Paragraph 3. Okay, so if you want to look it. it up on your on your own, now you know where to find it. Are and you going to read it for I'll, I will read it for you so you can see okay. why this is confusing. Let's hear it. It says, notwithstanding the provisions of section 106, the following are not infringements of copyright. Performance of a non-dramatic literary or musical work or of a dramatical musical work of a religious nature or display of a work in the course of services at a place of worship or other religious assembly. Whoa. So a lot of people go, hey, I can do whatever I want. The key word in here is performance. The yeah. performance of the music is not protected under copyright. So that means if you want to perform a piece of music in church, you do not have to get permission to do that. That doesn't mean that you can share the recordings. It doesn't mean that you can write the songs down. It doesn't mean that you can project the words onto a screen. It doesn't mean that you can make arrangements of the music. It just means you can perform it or to think about this in a way that makes any sense. Theoretically, if you didn't want to spend any money at all, you could have your band or choir or whatever, have everybody in your group, in your worship ministry team, purchase the music on their own, come together, learn it, and perform it, and you will have not broken any laws. But everybody has to do it all on their own. If you as a church want to provide chord charts, rehearsal tracks, any of that other stuff that honestly we all do, if you want to do those things, then you do have to get permission. 
And that's what the CCLI license, the CCL rehearse license, and all the other licenses are about. They cover all the other things that you do have to have licenses to do. So um, I will break this down to make it easy to understand as a, as a takeaway. And that as long as you meet these three criteria, you are generally safe to use music in church. The music has to be of a religious nature. It has to be used at a religious location, and it has to be used as a part of a religious service. If you meet those three criteria, you can perform the music. You don't have to get permission to perform it. You still have to get permission to copy the charts and use the recordings and project the lyrics and all the other stuff, but you can at least perform the music. It doesn't necessarily say those things specifically, so there could possibly be exceptions to that, but those three things will generally keep you pretty safe. Well, this brings up an interesting question. Well, what constitutes, for example, a religious location? Say you're a church in a box and you don't have like a church building, quote unquote, someplace. If you're a church in a box, when you set up for that time period, that location, wherever it may be, in a gym, in a a theater, uh, in a school or wherever it might be, for that time period, for the context of this particular provision, it is functioning as a religious location. The other question that sometimes happens is, how do you define religious service? Well, again, it's not very specific because the, the words are services at a place of worship or other religious assembly. Generally speaking, if you want to do a concert, that is not considered a religious service. So if you have a youth ministry and you want to put on a show for your teens and you want to do this thing or whatever, and it's not a part of the regular religious service that you would normally do for that particular group, it's a special event kind of thing, you do need to get performance rights to use the music at that particular event. The other one that comes up is, well, what about special services like, say, Good Friday or Christmas Eve? Those aren't regular religious uh, services, those generally do qualify as religious services. They qualify under the religious assembly provision yeah, in this. Almost, yeah. So although they may not be your regular uh, service on a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, whenever it is yeah. your church does uh, your services, those ones do fall under the category of other religious yeah. assembly. And so again, you're free to perform the music at those yeah. particular ones. But if it is something that is uniquely different, if it is a prayer gathering, um, you're in kind of a gray area, you might want to see about making sure you have permissions there uh, because that is not a regular religious service. That is a separate thing. You might need to get a separate uh, permission to do that. Uh, I can't tell you specifically because I wouldn't know the specifics of how you were using the material and how your church operates. But there are some gray area situations where it might not be a bad idea to give CCLI a call or CCS, that's the Christian Copyright Solutions. Give them a call and say, hey, we're doing this thing. I just want to know, do I need to get a, partic- a special license to be able to do this? Yeah. So, for gotcha. example, when you and I played at Universal Studios and we did the right. Rock the Universe production, yeah. It was Universal Studios' responsibility to make sure that the licenses, the performance licenses were covered. You and I didn't have to make sure that we did those things. Right. Yep. But if you're putting that on at your church and you're going to do a thing, well, you're the venue. you got to make sure that's that you good, have the license. That's a good way to clarify that. The venue is responsible. 
So I think that's a good place to wrap up because this is a lot of material. Um, we yeah. could go on to you know more and more scenarios, the what ifs. When this podcast goes live, um, if you, you have a question, a specific question, please uh, send it to us. We would like to know um, the specific things. And because if you're asking the question, there's probably a dozen or more people who are also asking the same question, wondering, does this apply to me? But hopefully we've been able to answer some of the basics of how copyright So uh, thank you for being with us today. You can send us comments, questions, concerns, irritations, whatever it is you want uh, by tweeting to us at Zero to Sixty Music. Uh, You can visit the Zero to Sixty Music Services Facebook page. You can also send an email to copyrightmatters at zero to sixty musicservices.com or just visit us on the web at www.zero to sixty musicservices.com and we will try to get your feedback into the next episode of the podcast. So thanks for being with us.